One. Cool. It's lovely to see you this morning. Awesome. So waiting for that. I was, I was always fishing for that. So thank you, Jono. Um, I want to speak about I want to speak about blessing this morning. The word blessing. And um, and so and so we're going to speak about blessing, but we're also going to speak about affliction. We're going to speak a little bit about hardship as well. What I've realized, and if you spend a bit of time in the scripture that are different to the world. So there are things in the Bible that are different to the way the world sees them. God's designed them, and the world has taken some of them, and they've, they've corrupted them. So marriage is one of the words in the Bible. that Marriage was designed by God. It is ordained by God. It was His concept. But if you look in the world, you'll see that the word marriage in the world doesn't mean what it means in Scripture. I was reading the, the Marriages Act, and I was having a look at the draft marriage amendment bill. And marriage as defined in our legislation in South Africa doesn't look like it looks like in Scripture. And then there are terms like male and female. In Scripture, they're definitive. They are defined. They are set. In the world, they're fluid terms. In Scripture, it says that God opposes the proud. In the world, we celebrate pride. has a whole month dedicated to it. So there are words that are not the same in the Bible as they are in Scripture, in, in the world. They're different. Different. They have different uses, different interpretations. And one of the words that has struck me is the word blessing. And I thought we could look at it this morning. The word blessing. Because we see it in, on socials. Hashtag blessed. So blessed. Just everyone's blessed. You can be blessed by any event that takes place now. You can have your girlfriend who you broke up with and you get reunited with her and you're sleeping with her and you can say, so blessed. I wonder how that blesses you from a biblical context. How's that a blessing in your life? And so I want to look at what blessing means. I want to look at what it means to be blessed by God. I've got a friend and I've known him for a long time. He's actually got some friends in this church and uh, he's a wealthy businessman. He's an incredibly wealthy businessman. He's not a born-again believer. And whenever I phone him, over the last 20 years, I say, how are you? And he just goes, so blessed. So blessed, Brad. I'm so blessed. So really, I'm so blessed. On Thursday, he told me he'd got like a 50 million rand contract for his business. He is so blessed. <laughs> and then he said to me, almost like arrogantly, he was like, I don't know why I'm so blessed. So I responded, I said, Wayne, you know what it says in the Bible? It says that God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. <laughs> and took the wind out of his sails. God's favor is exhibited on people who don't give a stuff about him as well. It is, not, it is not an obedience thing or because I love God, I'm blessed. And I want to look at that this morning. You see, I think my friend is confused between success and blessing. I think he's got confused between those two terms. And I think the world has taken a word that is in Scripture and completely corrupted it. And it's just hashtag so blessed. Whatever goodness comes with, with thinking like my friend thinks is that he somehow thinks that he has done something to earn God's favor in his life. And we've all thought it, and I've thought it too. I've thought, if I'm good, I'll be blessed. Or if I see someone who's in an amazing season of their life, you think, 
so blessed, must be so obedient, must really be walking righteously before God. It's a dodgy term, because eh? you're wondering, now, am I being serious or am I, am I going to correct this? And, and the converse can sometimes be true. So sometimes what we can think is the opposite of this. So we can think if you're in a valley season of your life, if you're really in difficulty, and I've had this, where, where you look to God and you think, why are you punishing me? Why am I going through this hardship? Why am I going through this trial? What have I done to deserve this? Yeah? Who's thought like that before? You somehow think that, that God's against you because you're in a valley season. And so it's a very taint, dangerous way of thinking about blessing. You see, it, it becomes almost like a Santa Claus theology. I'm a good boy, I get presents. I'm a bad boy, I get no presents. And then it can extend to the love of God. If I'm in a valley season and I'm going through hardship, God must not love me anymore. He's withdrawn his love from me. I'm cursed. I'm cursed. And part of that thinking comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Deuteronomy 28. And I've got friends in ministry who've made statements like that. And they've affected me. Where I've heard because of their, God's favor on them, they must have done something right. And I think, well, I'm not so sure. Maybe. And so I want to clarify one thing before I continue this preach. I believe in God's material blessing over people. I believe that God sometimes rewards you for obedience. And I believe that God disciplines when we sin. So I want to put that, I want to lay that foundation. I believe in that. What I don't believe and I can't see in Scripture is a blanket provision. I can't see an absolute, I'm good, I'm blessed, I'm bad, I'm cursed. I can't find that. Or I'm going through difficulty, I'm cursed. I can't see that in Scripture, in the New Testament. I can't find it anywhere. I can't find it. And so I want to look at blessing this morning. I want to look at what it looks like to be blessed. What, is, what does the New Testament say about blessing? What does it say about affliction? What does it say about how we are supposed to live? Back to where I was going. In Deuteronomy 28, this is where I think some of our, our thinking gets formulated about, about blessings and curses. Because there's a big script, portion of Scripture in Deuteronomy 28, and it's called blessings and curses. So that's, I think, where we get it from. And I'm going to paraphrase it because it's 14 verses long. But if you listen to this, this is where I think, fully obey the Lord and carefully follow his commands. The Lord will set you above the nations of the earth. All blessing will accompany you. You will be blessed in the city and in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. That's ladies only. Your crops, livestock, calves, and herds will be blessed. So will your basket and the kneading of your dough. You will be blessed when you come in and you go out. Your enemies will be defeated. Your bonds will be blessed and everything that you put your hand to. This is an amazing scripture. I would love to live under this. The Lord will open the heavens and send rain in season and bless all the work of your hands. And you will lend to nations but borrow from none. And you will be the head and not the tail. This is the promise to Israel if they follow the Lord with all their heart. And then there's a, there's a subsequent curse that comes. And we can labor under this faulty thinking sometimes. That if I'm going to walk in everything God has given for me, it's just going to be incredible. I'm just going to be so blessed. I'm just going to be so blessed. We can labor under it. 
But what God did is he took Israel and, and he had a, as John with Israel, is he said to all the nations, come and see how I'll bless my people. But this is Old Testament theology. And this is a prophecy for what's coming. I'm going to get to that now. This is a prophecy for what we're heading for. But it's very dangerous to live under this. And I'll tell you why it's dangerous. Because Ecclesiastes says, and in this life we're going to have seasons. It says that there will be a season for everything under the sun. You're going to have seasons where you're on a mountaintop. And you're going to have seasons where you're in a valley. The danger is that if you live at the mountaintop, if you're in a mountaintop season, you're going to think, because I'm so good, God has favored me. The problem is when you hit a valley season, a difficult season in your life, you're going to be crushed under the weight of condemnation. You think, God's left me. God doesn't love me. God's punishing me. But God wants us to live in both seasons. He wants us to live to the full, to the full measure in both seasons. And that kind of thinking is, is, is going to hurt us in valley times. Living in South Africa is difficult. Economy is tough. The working conditions are tough. Food prices are sky high. Politically, it's difficult. It's a difficult place. We're challenged with our own sin, with, with sickness and death around us. There are people in this church that are battling disease. They are battling crippling conditions that they can't be free of. It's tough, this place at the moment, this country. Things are tough. And so if we're going to live in a valley season, we've got to have a theology that helps us to understand a valley season. We need a theology of suffering, of how to get through this thing. Are we now not blessed because we're in difficulty? And we need to get a handle on blessing. And we need to see what the New Testament says about it. Because when you look at the Bible, blessing actually looks very different to what we think it looks like. It's very different. It's very different. As a starting point, the New Testament says you will experience hardships. It's a guarantee. This life is going to be difficult. As a believer in Christ, it's going to be tough. It's a guarantee. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, this is Paul. This is a guy that devoted his whole life to the expansion of the gospel, to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He devoted his life to it. He says he was beaten eight times, five times at the hands of his own people, three times at the hands of the Romans with rods, he was shipwrecked three times. How many people you know have been shipwrecked three times and still have faith? Three times. He was imprisoned. He was stoned. He said he was cold, hungry, and thirsty, and naked. There's no like hashtag so blessed t-shirt on Paul. That's what he meant. In Acts 14, he says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. And what about Jesus? Jesus says that in this life you will have trouble. Jesus' global church is built, and he's the suffering servant. Born into poverty. Crucified for a sin and for sins that he did not commit. On behalf of everyone. Persecuted. Died without a father when he desperately needed him. In the lurch, all alone. That's the one we worship. He's a suffering servant. And so trials and hardships and suffering are part of this Christian life. And so, in fact, rather than material blessing being poured out and promised, we actually see in the New Testament that it speaks more of affliction than blessing. It speaks more of difficulty and hardships. I want to suggest to you this morning that the minute that you make a decision to follow Jesus, you've got like a bullseye on your back. Not easy. 
It's not an easy choice to make. At the Last Supper, I always enjoy that term because the disciples didn't know it was the Last Supper. They just thought they were having supper with Jesus. They had no idea what was coming. And so they're having supper with Jesus, and he's breaking bread, and he's breaking and, and sharing wine, and he's speaking to them, and they are simply having supper with Jesus. And then he says to them, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan, like wheat. So he says to Simon, but he's speaking to all of them, saying, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. These are 12 guys that have given up everything. They have given up their lives, their businesses, their careers, their futures, their hopes, their dreams. For three years, they've followed this teacher. They've given up everything, and they're having dinner, and he says to them, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He says, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. It's an amazing statement to make. You see, we know from the book of Job that Satan actually has access to the throne room. And he goes to accuse people in the throne room of God. So you can picture it. Satan has gone to the throne room in heaven and said, these 12, you want to build your church with these 12? I think we should test them. I don't think they'll sustain it. I don't think they'll make it. You must know that if you, a couple of weeks we had a prayer meeting and I encouraged everyone to put your hand up and, and to speak out things that you, you felt called to in ministry, whether it was praying at varsity or starting a prayer group at work or um, there were a number of things that come, teaching people. There was a number of, of things that came, life group leading. You must know the minute you put your hand up, there's a target. Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Sifting is when they separate the solids from the flour. Satan wants to sift the faith out of us. Out of us, out of all of us. He wants to sift the faith out. That's what he's asking for. If you put your hand up for Jesus, he wants to sift the faith from you. Hashtag blessed. Rather sifted like wheat. Sifted like wheat. And Jesus says, but I'm praying for you that your faith may not fail. Why does he say that? Why does he say that? Why does he say that? He doesn't say, I'm going to stop Satan. He doesn't say, I'm going to stop the temptation. He doesn't say, I'm going to take this trial from you and this suffering from you and this hardship from you because he could. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to pray for you so your faith doesn't fail. That's what, he, that's what he's praying for. Not to keep you from the trial. Not to keep you from the difficulty. And as the seasons change, as we see with Peter, he goes through this unbelievable hardship where he betrays Jesus. Jesus says to him, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Jesus is praying that our faith doesn't fail. So in the valley season, if you're in a valley season at the moment, if you're in a valley season, I want you to hold on to the faith. I want you to keep the faith. I want you to know that Jesus is praying for you that your faith will not fail because the seasons change and you will come out of it and then you will get onto a mountaintop and then when you're on the mountain, you need to strengthen your brothers. That's what he's asking from us. That's what he wants from us. 
He's not saying I'm going to bless you and bless you materially and just give you and give me. It's not that. That's not, that's not the God of the Bible. He's saying you're going to go through many hardships and many trials and many difficulties. And when you're in the valley, don't give up. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your faith won't fail. But when you turn back to me, go and strengthen the weak ones. Go and strengthen the ones in the valley. And there are people here on mountaintops, and there are people here in valleys. On the mountaintops, go and strengthen your brothers. Go and strengthen your brothers. There's a lady that I'm going to see this afternoon. Um, we work together. She is probably in her 70s. A couple of weeks ago, she found out that she had terminal cancer. And, um, and so she had a meltdown, I suppose. She had an emotional a mental health care facility. And um, she's had a, it's just from the shock of actually realizing that she's going to die. She just lost it. And, and I'm going to go and see her. And she said to me on the phone on Monday, she said, this shouldn't be happening to me. See, it shouldn't be happening. So I'm going to go and sit with her. My job is not to talk about sin and disobedience and whether this is the cause of it. It's, it's not my job. My job is to go and strengthen her, to encourage her, to lift her up, to build her up so that her faith doesn't fail, so that her faith doesn't fail. She is going to die. I cannot tell her that everything's going to be okay tomorrow, or if she repents, it'll be fine tomorrow, or if she turns, it, it's not, there's no point now. Now I've got to tell her, your faith must not fail. Your faith must not fail because God's promises and his blessings for her are still to come. Can you put up Matthew 5 for me? This is where blessing is shown in the, in the New Testament. There's a number of places, not many. I'm going to go through a few of them. But you'll know this. You know this is the Beatitudes. This is the blessing of God. This is what God tells us. This is how Jesus says we are blessed. This is how he says. He says this. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you're here this morning and you're poor in spirit, you must know you're blessed. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. This is a prophecy of what's coming. I want you to understand this is a prophecy. This is a promise for people who believe in Jesus for what's coming. If you're a born-again believer, this is a promise for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn. Those are people who are convicted by sin, who grieve sin in their lives. For you'll be comforted. Jesus will comfort you. There's comfort coming. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That word means humble. And it's for us as believers. I want to be the guy standing at the resurrection with the t-shirt that says, so blessed. You know what this promise means? This promise means that whoever is resurrected will inherit the new earth. That's the promise. Whatever you go through now is irrelevant. It, it pales in comparison to what's on offer. Jesus says, blessed are the humble. You will inherit the new earth. It's an amazing promise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you are here and you, and you hunger for righteousness and you thirst for broken people and, and you love people and you want to help the sick and the destitute and the poor, Jesus says, blessed are you because you will be filled. You'll be filled. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Because she feels things for people. But God will be merciful with her. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. Blessed are, the, are, are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. At Equip, we had a whole lot of young men standing on their chairs, declaring that they are going to lead God's people. They're the next generation. You have to preach the truth, and you will be persecuted for it. I'm going to tell you, you have to preach the truth. In a world that has gone mental, you have to preach the truth, but you are going to be persecuted for it. And Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the reward. Blessed are you when people insult you and, and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. The promises in the scripture are amazing. They're just amazing. They're amazing. This is what's on offer. And we see we have to have a picture of eternity. We have such a narrow-minded view of this life. We think this 70 years is it. It can't be. Surely not. I look at my life and I'm just like, this can't be it. This can't be the crowning glory. And he's promised us a kingdom. He's promised us an inheritance. He says he will fill us, comfort us. We will be children of God. We will see God. That's what's on offer. That's what I have to tell Gail this afternoon. I can't tell her everything's going to be okay, but I'm going to tell her the promises of God. Gail, if you hold faith, if you hold on to what I'm going to tell you, if you trust Jesus with every single bit of your life, you'll be a child of God with an inheritance. You'll be filled. You'll be comforted. You will see God, and you, great is your reward, Gail. Great is your reward. The promises are magnificent. Two more, and I'm done. Revelation. Revelation's got, I think, seven blessings in it. I just want to go through two of them. Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I'm coming soon. That's Jesus speaking. And he says this. Blessed is he who keeps the word of prophecy in this book. Guys, we have to get to grips with the fact that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We've got to hold on to that. As tough as it can get in this country, Jesus is going to come. It says in Revelation, blessed is he who stays awake. We've got to keep watch for him. We've got to keep watch for him. We've got to keep believing. We've got to hold fast to him. And hold fast to the word of God. It is the only perfect thing on earth is the word of God. There is nothing else. Just the word of God. It's perfect. It's perfect. Blessed of those who are waiting patiently for the return of the king. And my last one. Revelation 22, 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Last weekend, I made a horrific decision, a sinful decision that affected a number of people in my care. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's relevant. But I made a very sinful decision. And I thought absolutely nothing of it. Didn't even cross my mind. Until 12 o'clock on Friday, this Friday. I was sitting at work and God dropped a scripture into my heart. And in that moment, I felt the fear of God come over me like I've never felt it before. And I knew what I'd done was wrong. 
and I repented immediately. I pleaded the blood of Jesus over me. I spoke to a few trusted people and I confessed it. Trusted men, they don't bring you to judgment, they bring you into freedom. And I was free. I was set free instantly. It says, blessed are those who wash their robes. You wash your robe in the blood of Jesus. You see, we all have a robe on. Sin stains that robe. It stains it. And it continues to stain it. And so what we do is we plead the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We plead that, and it says that he washes us white as snow. Blessed are those who are washed in the blood of Jesus. Blessed are those who are washed in the blood of Christ. There are some people sitting in this auditorium that are not born-again Christians. You've just come into church, and you've been coming in and going out, and you maybe read your Bible, but you're not a born-again Christian. I want to tell you, narrow is the way, not wide. It's narrow. There's only one way, and that's through the Son. There's no other way. It's only through the blood of Jesus. You can't get in any other way. Blessed is him who is, his robes are washed in the blood of Jesus. He's the one that will see the tree of life and the city's gates. That's a promise. That's an absolute promise. I said in the prayer meeting, our heart is that every single person seen with us at the, in the resurrection of the saints, I want to be with everybody. I'm trusting for an amazing party. I'm handing out t-shirts and saying, so blessed. I'm, I'm going for it. Because I'm going to be a son. I've got an inheritance. I'm going to be comforted. I'm going to be filled. I want, to, I want, to, I want us to be there. And I want to suggest to you this morning, if, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, not God or the God of your imagination, Jesus Christ, if your robes are not washed by the blood of Jesus, this morning you need to make that decision. You have to make that decision. Because blessed is he whose robes are washed with the blood of Christ. And after the service, you can come see one of us in front here. We will pray with you. We will pray. That can be fixed today. That can be fixed right now. We don't want you found wanting. To the rest of you. To the rest. If you're in a valley, keep the faith. Hold fast. Hold fast. Don't let go. We pray for you. Jesus is praying for you. He doesn't want your faith to fail. He has promises waiting for you. He has blessing waiting for you. Don't fail. And for those on the mountaintops, strengthen your brothers. Be blessed.